Oh, me. What a week in the wonderful world of Fuji. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Only we had an outlet to talk about her than just going, uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Where would we find oh, that? Oh, oh, God. Maybe you can come up with something. I don't know. If you do, let me know here in the next, like, 10, 15 seconds. Sure. Uh, I think we could do a podcast, and I think it would be called The Domestic Domesticated Podcast. I actually like that. Damn it. The domesticated soccer fellas. I like that too. The domesticated soccer <laughs> fellas. I like that. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome, everyone, to the Important Affair Podcast, episode 461. Oh, God. I just hit my microphone. I am Edward Green. And uh, I'm. Guys, I'm trying to contain my excitement here. Uh, I'm joined as always by McCall and Crime, West Brad Shaw. And we have a dynamite week of Premier League action to get back to one in which may seem like we officially can now give the title over to Manchester City. Probably, maybe. We'll, we'll see what happens over the next four weeks, but probably, most likely. Yeah. I would be shocked. I would also be shocked. <laughs> It would be go us. We are the prognosticators and prognosticators. I know it's just it's the same as bet. I can just go back to our uh, to our where is it? Our um, my finishing spots. Yes, this note that I've been keeping now since 2016-17. And I can just say, hey, I've picked Manchester City now. Oh, actually, I didn't pick them that year. No, that's the year they won. Um, I have picked them every year to win the title, except the first year we did this in 2016-17. And you guys know me. I just pick Liverpool every year anyway. So. <laughs> uh, no, you didn't, actually. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> that's before Klopp had really worked out the center. Do you know who you picked in the year of our Lord 2017-18 to win the Premier League title? Oh, God, you're over there giggling. This must have been something good. Was it, um... Who did I pick, like, fucking Tottenham or something? You did pick fucking Tottenham. Folks, I'm nothing if not consistently horrible at this stuff. (laughs) Actually, the next year or two, you picked City. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't until we hit uh, 2020, 2021 that you've started picking Liverpool every year. And actually, I picked. <laughs> well, you know, that means one year in there I got it right. That's true. Um, yeah. Actually, wait a minute. No, you didn't, because the year you picked, the year they won, you picked City. <laughs> Damn right I did. The 2019-2020 season? Yep. <laughs> well, damn it. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we should see to start picking City again. There you go. <laughs> well, you guys get you guys get ready for that 23-24 uh pick. Oh man. 
shock the world. Oh man, I'm right down now. Um, yeah, we were we were definitely off on some of these picks. Not all of them, um, but on quite a few of them, we were we were very much off. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you, folks, we are not real journalists. That's true. You did pick mm-hmm. Southampton to get relegated. You did pick that. Um, it's like the second or third straight year I've done that. So that is true. <laughs> <clears throat> I just haven't believed for a long time. Now. It's 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 been hard to believe. Um, oh. We both uh we both had Chelsea still in the top seven, which that was a mistake. <laughs> um, <clears throat> whoops. <laughs> now we know better. Um, we. Yeah, we'll 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 wait a few more weeks and see how correct these predictions end up being. Um, all right, because there's still plenty of more football to get to. Uh, maybe not much more Premier League football for Everton, uh, as that's where we start at Goodison Park this week. Um, as Newcastle may have uh, danced on the grave of Everton's uh, unprom unrelegation dreams um as they won 4-1 at goodison uh never close um newcastle getting one in the first through callum wilson and then a flurry of goals within a six minute stretch saw newcastle balloon their lead to 4-1 and kept it that way um including just some delightful team play from them Uh, and i tell you what if, if again we said it all year newcastle started scoring goals Look out. Uh, and, and Everton, unfortunately, were made to pay the price uh, in the match that may have doomed Southampton. They fell to Bournemouth 1-0 uh, to Vernier with the goal in the 50th minute to clinch it for the Cherries there. Um, and what would have been almost the <laughs> one of two gigantic, insane comebacks, un- unpossible, as the Simpsons would say, um, for Tottenham Hotspur on the weekend. Uh, gave up two goals in the first half to Manchester United at home, um, and just and they did the uh, they did the dumb and dumber thing. And just when I thought you couldn't do anything stupider, you go and do something like this, and totally redeem yourself. Redeem yourself. <laughs> uh, Pedro Poro scoring just before the hour mark, and Youngman's son, who looks like a completely different player over the past month. Uh, equalized in the 79th minute. Tottenham could uh, have gone for the winner, but did not quite uh, go with gusto at the end as they settled for a hard-earned <laughs> second-half point against United. Uh, Palace 4, West Ham 3. Uh, Palace struck early and often, um, taking a 3-2 lead into the half, uh, and a breachy easy 6-6-minute penalty clinched the win for the Eagles as they stay in that fight for the top half of the table. Uh, Brentford 2, Nottingham Forest 1, two late, late goals for Brentford. Give them a win against Nottingham Forest, a win Forest desperately could have used, even a single point they could have used to stay out of the relegation zone, but unfortunately it was not to be, as Brentford gets the 2-1 win there. Uh, Brighton put Wolves to the sword 6-0. Thankfully, Wolves' season is pretty much done. They should be staying up. Um, But yeah, Brighton and Hove just absolutely running rampant over them. Undav, Grob, and Welbeck, or 
Pascal Gross, as we like to call him, um, each with a brace on the day, uh, each scoring within about an hour of the match starting. Uh, just easy, easy pickings for Brighton on the day. Uh, Bournemouth four, Leeds one. Uh, big loss here for Leeds as they're looking to stay up. And what ended up being oh, uh, right, they are. We'll get to that news and notes. Oh, worry, damn right they are. <laughs> they have done the most, uh, the most survival thing of all time. <laughs> it doesn't get more than that. Uh, the, cherries, the cherries, though, they're definitely going to stay up. They're now up to 39 points. They get the big win, um, and it would be shocking to see them go down at this point. So, so can, can I say real quick my favorite thing about Bournemouth statistically this year? Sure. Is that uh, Bournemouth, um, so uh, Nottingham Forest and Southampton are tied for the worst goal differential in the league. Mm-hmm. And then, like, right behind them is uh, is Bournemouth. Yes. And it's basically all based on the 9-0 Liverpool match early in the season. <laughs> they're like a minus 29 goal differential. And they're like basically in zero danger of going down, even though they have a minus 29 goal differential. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like actually it's tied with Chelsea. But that goal differential gets like astronomical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, like, Leicester's sitting there uh, level on points with Nottingham Forest, who's in the relegation zone, on uh-huh. a minus 13 goal differential, and Bournemouth is double oh. that, and they're just like, uh, what? yeah, how did this happen? They're just like, yeah, we're basically almost on the beach. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I just thoroughly get a kick out of that every time I see Bournemouth's goal differential and think back to, oh, well, yeah, Liverpool beat them 9-0, so. You know, a minus 20 isn't, like, anything to really sneeze at. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, they took a few little thumps, and they're okay. You know, that's what you get for a team around that park. And then it's like, Jesus, God. <laughs> so, of course, they got that one back by beating Liverpool 1-0. There you go. Uh, just just oh, the man. one. Um, just B- B- Bournemouth, though, of the three of their last four wins in the last five matches – it's very important when you come when it comes down to it. They beat Leicester one nil. They beat Southampton one nil, and now they've gone out and beaten Leeds four one. Three teams who very well may take the drop, um, and now Bournemouth have separated themselves with a couple of matches. couple of those relegation six pointers, mm-hmm. as they like as they like to call them, the relegation six pointers. I love and uh, cliche. And for and for uh, Bournemouth, they did the job and they got them all. Yeah, that's that's what you got to do at this part of the year. Um, Fulham gave it a go against Manchester City, but could not, as the potential champions in waiting yet again win two one at Craven Cottage. Vin- Vinicius Junior, um, not not the one at Real Madrid, um, no, but the one. Yeah. Former former Tottenham legend Vinicius, uh, he has had himself a week. What a this kid is turning into a strong player at Fulham. He had the one goal uh, to equal things up temporarily for Fulham in the 15th minute, um, but Alvarez's goal in the 36th was all City needed to clinch a big three points that saw them go to the top of the table. Um, elsewhere, uh, United one nil winners over Aston Villa. Bruno Penendez with a goal in this one to give uh, United a big three points. 
Uh, Newcastle three, Fulham one. Uh, it wasn't just an own goal from Theo Wolcott. Uh, that may have uh, been the final nail in the coffin for Southampton. Uh, but Callum Wilson's brace was a bigger factor in this one as Newcastle win 2-1, and they are looking to finish this season very strongly. Um, the match of the week, I guess, because um, it was about to be the second. <laughs> and when I say match of the week, I mean the week in both the, uh, ways you can say it in English, W-E-A-K and W-E-E-K, because this was... Um, your week, your week. Um, fifteen minutes in, Liverpool was leading Tottenham three 0 and that was pretty much the game we were all looking forward to seeing. Uh, how much uh refunds would need to be handed out after this one, um, and even after Kane's goal in the fortieth minute, you thought, eh, it's three one. Who cares? Um, and then Youngman's son scored in the seventy seventh minute. And you're like, okay. Okay, this is this is interesting all of a sudden. Um, and then you know, Richarlison, because it had to be Richarlison scoring his goal in the 93rd minute, heading it in, thinking he had given Tottenham a dramatic point at Anfield. And then Lucas Mora, who hopefully will never play another match in his entire Spurs career, it's far enough away. From, it's far enough away from Ajax now, where we can say "fuck you, Lucas Mora." You ball Champions up. League Spurs legend, Lucas Mora. <laughs> Not anymore. Oh, um, poor fellow. He's, he's dead to me. Um, <laughs> Mora, Mora with a careless giveaway. Diego Jota, who. That's a whole nother story. Um, and <laughs> the goal. And we'll the talk about minutes. it. Yeah. Um, to give Liverpool a four, three win. Um, there, there, there have been, there's been a lot of digital ink spilled about this match and, and what happened oh, yeah. directly at the whistle and other times. Um, but I'll, I'll say before we talk about it is it, it's good to see Tottenham looking like they give a shit again, even if they suck <laughs> in the first half. It is good to see them giving a shit. That is that is pretty good. Um, Leicester two, Everton two, in the most terrible draw both teams could imagine. Um, Soyoku and Vardy. Uh, Soyoku trying to pay dividends for Leicester here in the last few weeks. He does have another goal for them. Um, but Everton was up to the challenge and were able to get an equalizer through Alex Iwobi in the fifty-fourth minute. Uh, both teams needed a win. Neither one gets it. Very very interesting to see how these teams. Will shape up at the end here. Uh, Arsenal responds to their big defeat at Manchester City with a 3-1 thumping of Chelsea. And I want to talk about this match from the Chelsea point of view later, but that's you know, good, good on, Chelsea. I will say this. Good on Arsenal, um, sincerely. Um, they, this could have been a match yeah. that they just phoned in after the mm -hmm. City one. They didn't. They kicked their ass. And uh, so, yeah, good, good stuff from them. Uh, because at then, the end of the day, Ed... Fuck Chelsea. Fuck Chelsea. As, as as we like to say on the Tottenham subreddit, I hate Arsenal because I'm a Spurs fan. I hate Chelsea because I'm human. Um, <laughs> I love that. That is fucking magnificent. Who um, thought, thought that you could go from a, a, a shady, greasy, slimy Russian billionaire who got his money in pretty much horrible ways and then it may have actually gotten worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So wow. Wow. Um, 
Wow. Great job. Great job, Chelsea. Um, Liverpool, uh, another dramatic win. This one, 1 0 against Fulham. Um, the most allows goal in the uh, 39th minute on a penalty after Darwin Nunez was fouled in the box. Um, got Liverpool the lead they needed. Uh, Fulham came on like a house of cards at the end. Uh, Vinicius, again, forcing a dramatic save from Allison Becker um, oh. that may have given Fulham a, a well a well worth point at Anfield, but it was not to be. And finally, uh, City started slow, but three second-half goals against West Ham clinched the three points for them as, uh, as they win 3-0, um, and they continue their march to inevitability um so that was the week that was wes what do you want to talk about well obviously Ed, we're gonna talk about everton <laughs> 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 i'm gonna tell you man there's not even a good joke for me to make i mean this is just this is a great week of football yep this is a great week of football around i mean this is yeah, this is what you want at the end of the season. It, it kind of looks like our, our title race may be petering out just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like you said, you know, honestly, good on um, you know, good on Arsenal for coming out and uh, you know, let's yeah, we'll we'll put aside the fact that we really don't like Arsenal that much. True, and you know, maybe we can at least say, hey, you know. Let's see if Arsenal can keep winning and at least take this thing down to the last day of the season and we'll have a little drama. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. I, like you said, City's just inevitable at this point. They are fucking Thanos with all the, uh, you know, with all the stones. And Erling Haaland seems to be the final stone at this point. But, uh, yeah. you know, we can always hope. We can always hope. <laughs> that maybe this time Tony gets the damn thing off his hand before he snaps it. But, um, so, you know, good on Arsenal for that. Um, man, we, you know what we got to talk about. We got to talk about the Derby. We got to talk about the Derby, the, uh, the Afford Affair Derby. Yeah, the biggest derby. The biggest derby uh, when it comes down to two uh, Southern Americans um, <laughs> who have really no connection to anything, but the fact that we like to watch it and talk about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that was a. You know, normally you would look at that, and we have seen enough Liverpool Spurs matches over our years yeah. where it's like. Oh man, four three. Oh, you know that was just thrilling up and down football, all dramatic as shit. No, it honestly wasn't. Mm-mm. Because for honestly, for their three goals that they scored, Spurs still looked pretty damn abject. Um, Liverpool, as they are apt to do, dominated possession. Um, you know, they get the early three and you're like, holy shit, maybe today's the day we're on. Well, after those early three, nah, we weren't on. <laughs> it was just, it was just more of that empty possession, empty possession, empty possession. Um, Spurs, it looked like they stole the goal back with Harry Kane when, uh, Virgil, Virgil slipped. Um, but honestly, at, I'll tell you at that point, I was like, well, you know, I got to go do some of my kid for a little while. So we're going to go here and then we're going to go over here and we'll go here. We ended up at like the museum and Rocky Mount and 
I just pull up my phone. I'm like, well, let me see what's going on. <laughs> and it said three to two with like, and it was in like the 89th minute. And I was like, hey, kiddo, why don't you go play over there for me? I'm going to watch the end of the Liverpool match. <laughs> so I literally pull it up. And within 30, 30 seconds of me pulling it up, Rich Arlison scores and rich my heart out. And I'm like, that son of a bitch. Rich Arlison, who has been just one of the crap signings of the summer last year all around, has done literally nothing for Spurs. <clears throat> and there was just this feeling of inevitability when he came on. It's like, well, if Spurs are going to get it, you know it's going to be Rich Arlison. And sure enough, the little scumbag goes and scores. <laughs> and then in true Rich Arlison fashion, he basically celebrates like he's the greatest player in the world. As his giant back tattoo kind of says he's one of. Um, pulls off his shirt, celebrates in front of the traveling Tottenham fans. <clears throat> and you're sitting there going, son of a bitch. It's like, well, at least this year they didn't cost us the title. And then 99 seconds later, Lucas Mora. <clears throat> I still can't figure out who the hell Lucas Mora was passing that ball to. But he passed it right to Diogo Jota. Uh, Diogo must have yelled something in Portuguese, and Lucas is like, oh, that is end. He got it, and um, to give Diogo Jota credit, he still had a lot of work to do when he got that ball. <clears throat> um, it was not an easy shot. He finds the right angle, slots it into the goal. Um, pandemonium at Anfield is, you know, happens. Uh, the moment that put Jurgen Klopp on the uh, on the injury report for the week, um, as as Klopp uh, pulls his hamstring, going to talk shit to the fourth official. Yeah, that was. Um... Oh, Jurgen! Yeah, it that was, was like <clears throat> it was a super cringy moment that turned into a gut busting laugh because Jurgen pulled his hammy and still got over there to talk shit. That's my manager, Ed Green. <laughs> that shows his dedication. To take him to piss. Um, that's my Jurgen. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it's like I want to say, I, I, obviously, I think if anyone won that game, they would have deserved it. So I will say it deserved three points for Liverpool because they made the last play when they had to. But man, I, I think you heard both sides coming out afterward. Liverpool, like, oh, well, you know, we dominated that match. And then Ryan Mason coming out, and I, I don't understand what Ryan Mason is saying. They basically played Liverpool off the park. I can't totally agree with him on that. But at the same time, I mean, Spurs, when they turned it on, they turned it on. And you saw that lightning quick counter that they're capable of. <clears throat> and they find a way to get three goals. They just they just give up that fourth one. Um, it, it's it's a win for Liverpool. We'll put it that way. I'm not saying anything at this point is overly valuable for either team. I think uh, I think the the top four dream is pretty much dead for both teams. Uh, Liverpool may have the slightest sliver of hope right now. But but basically, it's going to take somebody above them completely falling apart. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just not going to happen. So yeah, 
Liverpool in a battle right now with, uh, with really Brighton and Hove for that fifth spot, which is a Europa spot. Um, which, so honestly, if you're resigned to the fact that you're not going to make the Champions League, and you're resigned to the fact that you're going to go into a, European, a sub-European competition, you're already going to be playing Thursday, Sunday. Damn it, I'd much rather it be Europa than the damn conference. Very true. So, um, you know, for that, 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 gives me, that gives me a goal for Liverpool here for the final uh, five matches. I believe they got five left. Four, four uh, or five, I can't remember. Are they four? Was that 34 today? Uh, yes, that was 34 today. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Brighton and Hope, God, I think Brighton and Hope now have like three in hand on Liverpool. Yeah, yeah it's super weird. They're playing every midweek pretty much from here on out. Yeah, so Liverpool with a seven-point lead, Brighton with three in hand. So basically, Brighton control their destiny. If they win out, Brighton and Hove are going to go <clears throat> at worst to the Europa League. So um, yeah, we'll see how that works. But uh, even for Liverpool, I think we're, try- we're, we're starting to kind of um, uh, psych ourselves up for the, for the Europa League. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> You know, at the end of the day, Liverpool fans are saying, well, you know, we belong in Europe. We need to be in Europe one way or the other. It's all right. Well, we got Europa. Uh, You know me, Ed. I'm always going to find my angle. And my angle is, you know what? This is the – it's going to be the big one, Ed, because, you know, of all the myriad of trophies that Klopp has won at Liverpool, he hasn't won Europa. That's true. He was there. He was close. Didn't get the job done, Ed. Unfinished business is going to be the motto for next year's Europa campaign. Uh, this time, it's personal, and we're bringing home the trophy. Uh, oh man! I joke at the same, but at the same time, you know, know. It, it it is one of those things where if you get in the competition and you've got the squad depth, yeah, to withstand the competition, mm-hmm. but. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. I mean, why not? You know? Um, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, yeah, I don't care what City and United fans say at the end of the day. Oh, if you win a trophy, you win a trophy. <clears throat> you win a European competition, you win a European competition. And also, really looking forward, man, the way this league is turning into right now with so many strong teams. Yeah. If you've got, like, an extra shot at getting a Champions League spot, Mm-hmm. <clears throat> might not be your worst idea to try to take it. Agreed. I mean, I mean, I definitely think if Liverpool can retool this summer, they'll have a shot at the top four next year. But you know, it's always nice to kind of have in your back pocket. It's like, well, you know, we do have Europa. If something, you know, something goes to shit, you know, maybe we can win Europa and find our way in the Champions League. So, like I said, with the way the Premier League is turning into right now, you kind of want to have, like, every bullet in the chamber that you can to try to qualify for the Champions League. I agree. So, yeah, so, you know, nowadays, if you're a Liverpool, if you're a Tottenham, if you're one of the bigger clubs and you find yourself in Europa, you almost have to look at it now as like, well, it's an opportunity. It's not the sexy, glamorous opportunity that we really wanted but it's still opportunity 
Mm-hmm. So uh, you see it, and that's how I've taught myself into Europa glory. <laughs> Look at how oh, I've done it, Ed. I'm rationalization right there. Hey, that's what I do, man. I rationalize. I make I make the impossible possible, Ed. Oh, Isn't that right, dogs? My, my labs agree with me. There, there you go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, just looking around the week, um, that it, it is a it is a thriller trying to figure out what the hell is going to happen in this relegation battle. Um, as you said, that that Everton Leicester, it was almost like uh, a draw is like the last thing either of us really needed. Yep. But that's what they got, <laughs> which kind of serves them. Uh, serves them both right. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. You know, and and Leeds today. Once again, we're going to touch on in the news and notes. Leeds throwing their nuts up on the table, and they're like, "Well, we're not going down without a fight." And if you need a fight, I there's one man to call for a fight. Well, once again, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, fun, fun week of fun week of Premier League action. Liverpool getting the win over Fulham. Um, I, I don't know how much you want to get back in and touch on some of the ins and outs of that Liverpool Tottenham match. Um, you know, uh, should should both the guys involved in those uh, plays have gotten red cards? Yes. Um, you know the the uh, the Diogo Jota high kick, which. Honestly, I'm a little shocked that wasn't a red card. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got people arguing, well, you know, Oliver Stitt should have gotten a red card himself, so he shouldn't even been on the field for that to happen. Um, so, you know, they're arguing multiple ways on this. Um, I'm just, I, I'm kind of in the camp where it's like, well, all right, nothing to see here. Guess we'll move on with our points today. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, there were those moments. Uh, Klopp and Paul Tierney, I don't think are going to be exchanging Christmas cards. No. Um, that was that was something. Klopp, Klopp is very lucky to to this point not receive a touchline ban. Yeah, that that's that's something that's very surprising. He 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 needs to start reining that in a little bit. Not not just him, he does like the, the beratement of officials as mm-hmm. as, as inconsistent and as not good as they can be at times by players and by managers has gotten really really bad this was the latest most dramatic example Mm -hmm. of it um but yeah i'm i'm surprised the premier league isn't maybe making a bigger example out of him for this one but you know once again var was supposed to take care of all this yeah yeah it was and, and Vara's and Vara's kind of done nothing but almost contribute to more of this. So yeah. because nobody nobody trusts the replay system. Yeah. You know, you, you something gets replayed, you you're at a 50-50, man. 50-50 if it goes for you or against you. So um yeah, it's got everybody on edge and it's just oh it's horrible. Great idea, horrible implementation. Yeah, absolutely. But, I do want to uh, one real thing. I want to say about the match. Uh, I, Absolutely. I don't think this is where Ryan Mason technically is coming from, but just 
one thing that I do think is a little bit interesting and also goes to your point about how Liverpool did kind of switch off a little bit after going up 3-0. Um, in the match, Liverpool had four shots on target. And just scored yep. on all four of them. So I, I I do think it was like, it was actually a close match, um, even though I don't don't think it was a very good match overall. Agreed. Um, and I, I, I yeah I that was that was kind of to echo what you were saying. Like <clears throat> I, I think Spurs were very bad in giving up the three goals early, and I don't think Liverpool were very good in allowing Spurs to claw back into the match. Um, as I as I somewhat texted in jest to you, uh, both teams should turn down Europa League invitations like North Carolina turned down an invitation to the NIT this year. And then you had the amazing idea of giving it to Chelsea as long as they keep Frank Lampard in charge, um, which I am all for that. And honestly, that's where I want to go now. Um, just to talk a little bit about this. It's weird, but like, because I'm obviously in a little bit of a Spurs bubble. But I also do try to get like a pulse on how other fan bases are feeling. I have no idea how Chelsea's fan base is reacting right now. Like, obviously, I'm sure it's not good, but it is funny because like I'm here thinking, oh, God, I don't know who our manager is going to be next year. I don't know what kind of players we're going to have next year. And and I feel like this season has been a disaster for Tottenham, while Chelsea have become actually a bad team. And and it's something that, at least in my opinion, is, I guess, because they're they're mid table, they're not in danger of getting relegated, but they're also not at the top and like falling out of a Champions League spot at the moment. I did see real quick. I did see I did see a scenario today where Chelsea get relegated. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Okay, yes, yes. There is like one crazy (laughs) scenario where they lose every match and, and a lot of teams below them have to win all their matches, and it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, Big match. Yeah, because someone had mentioned, uh, I think Tottenham's next match is against, um, who, do I want, who is it against? Um, whoever it is, is like someone who's in the, oh, it's against Leeds. Right. Uh, and it was like, well, oh, you know, we three right. points. There you <laughs> we go. Could, we could help get Chelsea relegated. That'd be pretty funny. Um <laughs> it's not gonna happen but i do think chelsea are in a really bad spot and and i do think to an extent it hasn't been talked about as much because you know you know tottenham have been a little bit more of a mess the relegation battle has been what it is arsenal has been a success story and then even there's teams like newcastle and aston villa and brighton which have been really punching up there this year that have been kind of dominating the headlines and Chelsea's just been a mediocre piece of shit all year and it's kind of like no I feel like we're just not talking about how big of a deal this is Wes I mean they have spent nearly 700 million pounds on this squad they are handing out my god does Todd Bowley think this is baseball? He's handing out eight-year contracts. Eight fucking year contracts. He is insane. It's like he thinks they just went and got like, oh, we got Juan Soto, and we, we got all these, like, we got Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna, and, and oh, we're just, yeah, we're going to lock them down to 10-year contracts. Yeah, you know, stupidly do that in baseball. I've said that. Yeah, I've said it. <laughs> no. 
How's Fernando Tatis Jr. working out on that one? Um, but Chelsea are... God, they are a bloated squad. They are ultra-bloated at this point. They have zero direction. And by God, I wouldn't be shocked to watch them go drop $400 million this summer. Yep. Keep throwing more money at it. You know... Jurgen Klopp has been the news, obviously, this week. Jurgen Klopp had a kind of a controversial interview in this past week where he told the interviewer, he said, um, he said, you know, honestly, he said, I don't like to see it for the players at Chelsea. I don't like to see it for the club. He said, but I'm kind of happy that it's going this way. He said, I- I'm kind of happy about the fact that they've spent all this money and brought in all these players and that it's, it's basically crap. Mm-hmm. And the way Klopp said it was, he said, you know, because it goes to show you that you can't just buy a team and expect them to all come together and you not have to do anything to make them a better team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I heard, the, I heard the comments. I, I watched part of the interview, and you know, Klopp comes across as Klopp sometimes. Either you love Klopp or you kind of roll your eyes a lot of times when he talks at this point. Um, but no matter how he said it, he made he made a damn good point. He said, you know, you can't have two locker rooms and two practice pitches and think that you're going to find any kind of team unity that way. Mm-hmm. And you can't just drop 700 million pounds and expect to roll the ball out and, oh, we're, we're the best team now because we've spent all this money and bought all these expensive players. Chelsea are a shit show right now. Yep. And Todd Bowley is the Martin Scorsese of this shit show. He is the award-winning director in this shit show. And... Um, the thing is, you know, they would love to get rid of a lot of these players. But you have put them on such big wages and locked them down for so long. Who's going to come in and take some of these guys? And even the other guys, who wants Raheem Sterling? Who wants Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Who, by the way, I literally heard something about him like yesterday or today. And I was like, oh, shit, he does still play for Chelsea, doesn't he? <laughs> Same reaction. Yeah, and then part of the problem is, well, of course, Chelsea have like 96 players on their roster. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and you know it is, it is kind of kind of nice to see that you know Moneyball doesn't. You know, well, I say Moneyball. The actual definition of Moneyball is something that could work, but just throwing money at at something doesn't always work. Yeah. Ah, they're called the New York Yankees. Yeah, they were called Manchester United. Yeah, they're called United. You know. And it actually makes you go and have more respect for, like, the Manchester cities of the world. And yeah, you know, they've thrown a shit ton of money at it over the years. But at least they had a plan. Yeah, yeah. They weren't just buying guys because they're like, oh, he's a big name. Pick him up. You know, to quote, a, to, to bring up one of your dumb and dumber quotes earlier, hey, look over there. Pick him up. <laughs> and then we're all singing Mockingbird, but anyway. Um, but it is kind of nice to see it happening. Yeah. And the fact that it's happening to Chelsea certainly doesn't hurt my feelings at all. 
you hear this dog fight going on in my kitchen right now? It's amazing. I, this is wonderful. There, there is more fight in this kitchen than in the Chelsea team right now. Absolutely. Um, I, I, so I think to your point about City and they had a plan, I think mm-hmm. the plan really centered around Guardiola. And they mm-hmm. have bought a lot of players. Like the biggest one we started to kind of be like, uh, I don't know about this one, was Alon. And it's like, he, he's, he fills the need they needed last year, but he also might just subtract a little bit from what they want to do. Who knows if this will really work fully. And, and for some of the year, we, we were, we were kind of mm-hmm. seeing that. And now, and that, but that, you know, he was still scoring like eight goals a match. And congratulations to him for, for breaking the Premier League right. scoring record this, uh, today. Um, yeah. He good. He's very good. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I think it was. It was because the man they had in charge, they knew mm-hmm. was going to be there for a while as long as they supported him, which they right. have. Right. And they've brought people in for illegally, him but whatever. the legality and financial fair play aside um they they that was the plan it was to build around guardiola and his vision chelsea doesn't have anyone like that and i don't know because they keep firing them yes and i don't know under this ownership because like who are they gonna go get are they gonna go get ancelotti ancelotti's not going there he's not gonna go work for todd bowley like like they talk about they're talking about getting potch and i'm like i'm i'm worried for potch because i feel like he he worked well in like spurs like spurs should have done a little bit more there's a lot of transfer stuff that's we'll never know about anyway right um but he was like a very good man manager he got a lot out of those players that he was given um we saw when there was there was a vision Yes, there was a vision. We saw when Poch went to PSG. I love Pochettino. Mm-hmm. I love him. No vision. And there's no vision there. And and he floundered, as has most managers Everyone. that have gone to PSG. Um, yeah. So it, when it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to bring Pochettino, it's like, I, I don't know how that's going to get any better under him. Um, so it's it's a really weird scenario for Chelsea right now where I don't think they're very good. And they have the, all this bloat, like you're saying, the Athletic has mm-hmm. done pieces about people like not having lockers and just like sitting in the hallway because mm-hmm. because they just have so many people. And yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't I see this Chelsea situation honestly getting a lot worse before it gets better. I don't think they're in danger of actually being relegated anytime soon. But I think without a dramatic turnaround they're they're not challenging top four anytime soon again i i might be overreacting but i really don't think i am well and the thing is now i think the the deal that will definitely be keeping them up for at least the next few years is the fact that you know unlike not not trying to pick on everton here but like unlike in everton there's too much quality in that team for them to go down right you know, Everton are just bereft of quality. You know, Nottingham Forest kind of bereft of quality. Um, Chelsea doesn't have that problem. Um, but what Chelsea have is, uh, you know, like you said, there's no 
there's no vision. There's no purpose to anything they're doing. When it's come to this managerial search, which, you know, by the way, we're on the third manager of the year. Who's not going to stay? Even though, God, I'd love for Frank to stay. Now, Frank Lampard stayed. All bets are off on them getting relegated if Lampard stays. That's that's not going to happen. So I'd just go ahead and put that dream to bed. Um, But whoever comes in, once again, you've got this huge squad. And it's not like people are lining up at the door to take the guys that you want to get rid of. You know, they, they owe Raheem Sterling a lot of money in years. No one, no one really wants Raheem Sterling at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruiz said, Obama Yang, there's a bunch of guys there. Um, there is a malaise. There is a rot at Chelsea right now. Um, you know, talking about Pochettino. What Pochettino lacked when it came to financial backing in the transfer market, he was paid in spades when it came to patience from Daniel Levy. Mm -hmm. He knew coming in, Pochettino knew he was going to be given time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't Levy coming in and saying, look, you got to make top four this year or we're going to have to move you on or we're not going to get you players or this or that or this or that. Pacheco was told, you know, within a within a reasonable time frame, you know, we're going to give you some time to try to shake this team. And then the big thing was that Pochettino and Levy and whoever, you know, whoever was getting the players for Spurs, they worked together and they were able to build a, a team. And then Pochettino was able to get them on the pitch and mold that team. Absolutely. The same thing that's happened with Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. It was, hey, we found somebody that we trust. Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to get him players that he wants. We're not just going to go buy guys because they're available. We're going to get him players that he wants that he feels will fit a system, <clears throat> and then we're going to give him time to fix things. At Chelsea, you know, there was the joke for Abramovich over 20 years was, oh, you know, Roman has no patience for anything. Bowley is making Roman Abramovich looks like he's got the patience of Job. Yes. I mean, Roman Abramovich, is, Roman, I think Roman sits back and he's like, shit, this guy's got a quick hook. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it has been absolutely ridiculous. You know, I, I honestly think that Pochettino went to PSG. I think there was the thought there that, like, man, if I can, if I can harness this, you know, we've got a chance to do something in the Champions League. I also think Pochettino's like, Shh, man, I'm going to get paid. <laughs> Did Pochettino not make enough money at PSG where he's basically going to walk into a similar situation with much inferior players. Oh yes, yes. There ain't no, there ain't no Mbappe or Neymar walking through that door. <laughs> Even though, given half the chance, I'm sure Ty Bully would buy Neymar. <laughs> God, uh, I mean that PSG squad was so much better than what Chelsea is. I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I think if Poch comes in, I don't know if he lasts a year. I don't know if any manager comes into Chelsea and lasts a year at this point. True. 
Uh, I mean, you had a world-class manager in Tuchel. You brought in the next great English manager in Graham Potter. You fired him in the middle of the season. I mean, like you said, Carlo Ancelotti ain't even taking Ty Bully's phone calls. No. I mean, he can't be. He can't be. I respect uh, Mr. Carlo way too much to know that he even takes Ty Bully's phone calls. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um now, a guy that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, and maybe that's the answer, Ed, because, you know, he says he's on the same level with Guardiola and Klopp <laughs> and Arteta. We'll get to that later. Maybe that's the answer. Look within, Kelsey. Look within. A man who loves pies will lead you. Um, <clears throat> but it is a bad, no good, terrible situation at Chelsea. And honestly, I... Wouldn't giggle more because Chelsea deserve what they get. Not their fans so much. Not, I'll say, not the real Chelsea fans. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all these players, but that club deserves the pain and heartache that they get for just being shits for the last quarter of a century, basically. Mm -hmm. So, screw them. Them. I, I like that attitude. Screw them. Well, that is uh, that is the week that was in the Premier League. The week that will be is coming up here. Uh, we'll uh, again we record this on a Wednesday night, so we will not be getting uh, the Brighton and Hove Manchester United match in this week. Um, that's obviously a big match for both of those teams. God, that's do great. I have to pull for United? Ooh. If you th- yeah. if you think top four is out of reach, you do. Well, we're four behind United. They've got two matches in hand. <laughs> I don't see it, man. Yeah, I need United to do something against Brighton. There we go. Sorry, 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 Albion. <laughs> this weekend's matches look like this. Uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m., you have your choice of Bournemouth versus Chelsea, City versus Leeds with that new manager bounce, uh, Tottenham versus Palace. Wolves versus Villa. Then at 12.30, it's Liverpool versus Brentford. On Sunday, 11.30, it's Newcastle versus Arsenal. This is a big one. Uh, Newcastle, who are on a roll, could effectively end the title race, in my mind, uh, if they if they can pick up a win here against Arsenal uh, and City gets a win on Saturday. Uh, West Ham and United also play at 2 p.m. on Sunday. Um, then on Monday, which I'm assuming is a bank holiday or something in England, uh, for reasons we'll get to in a moment here. Um, there's uh, three matches that day. One at 10 a.m., Fulham versus Leicester. 12.30, Brighton versus Everton. And at 3 p.m., it's Nottingham Forest versus Southampton. That's four teams in the bottom of the table squaring off uh, to try and pick up some points to help their season and their Premier League campaigns stay alive. As we look at the table, uh, City one point up on Arsenal with one match in hand. Um so yeah, with a uh, with a win and a potential Arsenal loss, that could open up a uh, a four point gap with a match in hand. That would that would pretty much be it, I think, at that point. Uh, elsewhere, Newcastle still in third place, two points up on United, who are in fourth. Liverpool, as we mentioned, four points currently back of United. Uh, Spurs and Villa level on points in sixth and seventh, and then Brighton and Hove rounds out the the European spots at fifty two points in eighth place currently. But again. 
87 matches in hand for Brighton at this point. Uh, at the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. All these teams have four matches left to play. Three teams currently sit on 30 points. Leicester, Leeds, and Forest. Forest have the worst goal differential of them, so they're Oof. currently in the drop zone. Everton is one point back of them, and Southampton, I think they're pretty much done. They are six points adrift of safety. They have joint worst goal differential in the league with Forest, so I imagine they are probably done and dusted, but still two spots up for grabs. Again, Leicester leads Forest and Everton separated by exactly one point. Um, I imagine two of those teams will be dropping. Two of those teams will be staying up. Wes, as we as we head into the final four weeks of the season, who do you think are the two teams that will be joining Southampton in the championship next year? Well, as much as I hate to say it, I think Nottingham Forest is going to be one of those teams. I think they've had some chances here in the last week and just haven't been able to take them to pick up some points. And I think that that's going to come back to vital here. And Ed, that final relegation spot, I think is reserved for the fucking Toffees. Oh, he's doing it. <clears throat> Everton Football Club are going down. And honestly, I will miss the Derby next year. But man, those pricks need to be put in their place. Oh, boy. Oh, it's going to happen. And I believe, I believe, I believe it's going to happen. Sorry, Sean Dice. You're an okay dude. But by God, they just, they fucking deserve it. Fuck Everton. Next two matches at Brighton, home to City. <laughs> they finish with oh. Wolves and Bournemouth. They finish with Wolves and Bournemouth. There is a chance that could be somewhere between yeah. two and six points. <clears throat> yeah, they could be on the beach, <clears throat> but um, I just, uh, I just, I think it's happening. Ed. I think it's happening. We will see. We will see. Um, the reason I said I think it's a bank holiday is because um, the final day of play in the championship is Monday. Not It's not Saturday, not Sunday. It is, it is in fact, Monday. Uh, we will be fin- finishing off the championship. Um, Burnley and Sheffield United are definitely coming up. Burnley won the league. Sheffield United is going to finish second uh, right now. And then, of course, there's the, th- uh, the playoff between three, four, five, and six to see who gets that third spot up. Uh, Lutton Town, they are currently in third. They cannot be caught. Um, so they'll be the, mm-hmm. the top seed in that tournament. Uh, Middlesbrough, they'll be the, the second seed there. Um, and then it's also pretty interesting here going to the final day. Uh, Coventry oh. City right now sits in fifth. They are one point ahead of Millwall, who is in sixth. And then Sunderland and West Brom, both two points back, uh, along with Blackburn Rovers. Uh, Blackburn, I believe, is playing. It's either Millwall or yeah, they're playing Millwall. So Blackburn, oh, despite currently being in ninth place, if some things break their way and they win against Millwall, they could find their way still into the playoffs. So a very, very interesting day coming up here on Monday to see who enters um, in those spots. Uh, Coventry, Coventry is a <laughs> close to guarantee. 
Um, it would it would take some shenanigans uh, on goal differential to get them out of the top six. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this one, uh, especially because you know Lutton and Coventry and Millwall. Since we've been doing this podcast, haven't been in the Premier League. Um, you know, Sunderland obviously has, West Brom has, Blackburn also hasn't. So I think there's a good chance we could get a fresh team into the Premier League next year, which would be super awesome and exciting. Oh, um, totally. And uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see next week what that uh what that playoff will look like. The the richest prize in sports there. Um, all right. Also, next week is uh of course Champions League, the start of the semifinals leg one uh between Man City and Real Madrid along with the uh, Milan Derby will be taking place next Tuesday and Wednesday um, on to the news and notes. There's no other place we could start. Other than oh, man himself. Oh. Sam Javi Garcia is out at least. Oh. And it's now time. It's time for pies. My lads. It's time for Sam Allardyce oh. to stay in it. And as I believe Wes kind of alluded to earlier, oh. It's just for these four matches. There's no contract extension. There's no No. contract literally for these four matches to keep leads in the Premier League. The man who said he is on par with Guardiola, Klopp, and Arteta is in the Premier League. the, The phone has been rung. The bat signal was set out, and he is going to try and keep leads up. This is... The last roll of the dice for Leeds United to stay up. West, you didn't put them in the in the relegation zone to end the oh. season, so you obviously think that this is going to work. I believe in a man who believes in a good pie. Uh yeah. I mean, look, Sam Allardyce has been a damn G when it comes to staying up. I think he has one. Where he's gone down. The man is a fucking winner. Yeah. And by winner, I mean he just he doesn't fuck up bad enough to lose it. And uh I just I think I think there's enough for him to work with at Leeds. I think there's just enough for him to work with. And uh I think they're gonna stay up. I'm just, I'm always excited for Sam Allardyce to be back. Because, my God, he is such an entertaining human being. As long as he doesn't beat my team. (laughs) (laughs) That would piss me the hell off. But, you know, as long as he doesn't beat my squad, I'm fine with it. Uh, Bring on Sam. Bring on the, uh, bring on the Paz. And bring on Leeds finishing 17th. Absolutely. This is... I'm I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Uh, it, I feel like it's got to be really weird for the for the players to, to, to play for a manager that you know is only there for four, four weeks, essentially. And it's just because you've been kind of shit at your jobs all year. Um, this is... This is going to be an interesting one. I'm I'm curious to see how the players will respond. Um, I, I believe I believe it's this article or another one who basically was uh, saying, yeah, uh, Sam Allardyce is not afraid to be a guy who goes into a locker room and uh, whips everybody into shape verbally. Um, so we'll 
we'll we'll see how this works. Um, he does have the history. He has the pedigree. Um, uh, the athletic article that we're bringing this from, uh, which is by Phil Hay, has an interesting chart as well on changing a manager late in the season has had very little effect on a club's final league position in the Premier League. Um, we'll see. We this is this is a big one. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for Leeds. I hope they stay up. I want I want him in, man. I want him in. I want Samuel in. Big. It's gonna happen, dude. It's gonna happen, dude. He's gonna do it. Um, this article from Awful Announcing. Um, Joe Lucia reporting here. FIFA president Gianni Infantino threatens to not air Women's World Cup in five European countries. Um, the gist of this story being, uh, there was some bids put in, uh, for broadcasters of the big five European, uh, big five European countries, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, the UK, um, to broadcast the women's world cup. So they were trying to see what networks would bid for that. Um, Infantani, uh, on Tuesday lashed out on the bids, calling them quote, very disappointing and simply not acceptable. And said that FIFA will force be forced not to broadcast the FIFA women's world cup in those five countries. Um, uh, as the UK government gave a minimal statement to Bloomberg, who was reporting on the story, quote, the prime minister, like everyone in the UK, would like to see such an important event televised, not least following the successes of our lionesses. This was from Max Blaine, spokesperson for Rishi Sunak, um, talking to Bloomberg News. Um, so I understand why, uh, on one hand, I understand why Infantino would be mad because you you wanna you're you're trying to elevate the women's game. We've seen the women's game grow, especially in this country. We've seen it also starting to grow in Europe. Uh, you know, their Champions League, the women's Champions League over there is starting to grow in popularity. The women's uh, teams in England are starting to grow slowly in popularity. The uh, the Lionesses, as was mentioned in this article, they really shot up the last couple tournaments in terms of popularity. Um, so I, I do understand him believing that they deserve a more comparable rights fee. On the other hand, for Infantino, he just wants money. So mm -hmm. go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. And if, if you actually go through with this, if you're, I, I know it would not be maybe as much as you wanted, but if you're actually in a growing market, trying to build this product up, which I believe is a good product. And you're just going to say, no, nah, we're not going to broadcast it there. Nah, nah, we're just, we're just going to be petty little bitches about it. It would be the stupidest thing. I think a commissioner has ever done. And we have had many examples on this podcast of commissioners in four major sports, as well as college athletics in this country, doing incredibly stupid things. I think this would beat every single one of them for singular most stupid thing. Still wouldn't beat Rob Banford overall, but this would be the singular most stupid thing I think a commissioner has ever done. That's my, I'm, I'm going to hop off my soapbox now and, and let Wes give a more rational thought on this. Um, the only comeback I have on this is Mark Emmert. Okay. <laughs> Mark right. Emmert, be Mark Emmert. 
But yeah, I mean, are, are we surprised at all that FIFA's going to do something irrational and ridiculous and you know, something that's not good for the good of the game? No, it's just them. It's what they do. And why should we be surprised? We we shouldn't be anymore. <laughs> that's, that's, that's on me. That's my bad, guys. I... I it was. <laughs> I think of that tweet. It's like uh, something to the effect of "Man who gets engaged with the lion shares surprise that lion ripped his face off." Like, oh, oh, yeah. I, I did not. See and, then, and then, and then, and then blames the lion for it. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. yeah, I I don't think this happens. I I believe that one way or another a deal will get done. But just this this kind of bullshit posturing is just so fucking dumb so fucking i i pine for the days when um oh god what was his name the fifa president before infantino oh god Step blatter yes yes mr blatter i pine for the days <laughs> set blatter to be back uh, uh, anyway i know um, he was a special one our final kind of dual stories here, one from uh, Mario Cortegana, Adam Crafton, and more on The Athletic. Um, also one from Felipe Cordenas. Um, one story, Lionel Messi suspended for two weeks by Paris Saint-Germain, as well as Argentina prepares to build Miami train facility as it targets major U.S. expansion. So these are kind of two Argentina Lionel Messi stories, kind of combining them together. Um, basically, Lionel Messi went for a little jaunt over to his new best friends in Saudi Arabia um, and did it two days before a PSG match in the league. Uh, they then lost that match in the league and he wasn't able, because he wasn't able to work out with the team. Uh, PSG were like, nah, you know, we're fucking done here. We're, we're just going to suspend you for two weeks. And we're also going to go ahead and say, we're not renewing your contract for next year. So this is pretty much Party, it. Har, har, har. Sorry, you're gone. Um, of course, the the bigger news is now coming out. You know, people thought, oh, maybe now he's going to go to uh, Inter Milan and go go join MLS. There's been rumblings. Oh, he's going to join Saudi Arabia and his best friend Ronaldo, and it's going to be great. Can't can't wait for the two. Oh, hell, he's already down there anyway. He might as well stay. Can't 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 wait for the two best players of our generation to spend their last few years and fucking saudi arabia um getting that that blood money the third one that's come up which i I, i'm pretty sure gave me an aneurysm when i read it is he might go back to barcelona and for what i believe is the the fifty thousandth time on this podcast i i need to once again say barcelona don't have any money why does this keep happening they can't keep doing they literally had to let go of him because their financial situation was a shambles and now they two years later they're like hey we can make this work right right guys right right bean counters we can do this if if barcelona somehow do this it would fly in the face of any financial regulations or whatever and this whole thing just becomes a farce um I'm all I know the fans want him back. I know the team wants him back. I don't care. There's no way you should be able to get him back without literally mortgaging the next 10 years of your club after he's gone. I think this is stupid. 
I, I, I none of the options are really good, but somehow, even with Saudi Arabia in the mix, Wes, this one, him going to Barcelona, actually feels like the worst one. Yeah, I mean, it's just, where does this work? This does not, it doesn't work for Barcelona. Uh, just in general, financially, it doesn't work. But B, I mean, everything that Xavi has built with the squad this year, if you plot Messi into the middle of it, it, it you're you're destroying this balance that Xavi has been able to find. Um, and and that's that's the biggest thing to me is you are killing. I mean, you are killing what Barcelona have a chance to be. And to your point, Wes, yeah. real quick, what did, what did we say earlier about Chelsea and City? What was the difference there? City had a plan. City had a plan, they like stuck Barcelona to it. Barcelona has a plan, and it's just they're going to blow it up. Yeah. Also, they can also, and it all comes down to a damn board member or chairman being able to say, oh, I brought him home. It's like, so you're basically going to bankrupt. You're going to bankrupt and ruin everything the club has been doing just so you can like throw your nuts on the table and say, oh, I brought Messi home. Mm -hmm. We didn't need him. We didn't really want him, but we brought him home. You know, to me, if Messi has any scruples about himself, he'll just be like, look, thanks, but no thanks. So, um. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens here, but um, I hope Messi does better than I hope Messi does better than this. Yeah, I I think as we've seen though from Ronaldo in these last year or two, and and now mm. with Messi with them both taking money from Saudi Arabia, one being an ambassador and one going to play over there mm -hmm. already, and I just I don't expect better anymore, and that that sucks. Um, the yeah. other sort of part of the story is this does seem to kind of maybe also be the end of the great PSG experiment. Um, Messi, <laughs> Messi is out the door. Neymar, as we've mentioned on the show before, they, they would probably love to get rid of him, but simply can't. Um, because I guess Todd Bully was moonlighting in PSG's camp and signed Neymar to a 10 year contract. Um, and <laughs> the other, the other big one, Mbappe. <laughs> it seems inevitable he's going to Real Madrid. So it, it all of a sudden starts is starting to kind of feel like this PSG window is closing all of a sudden. And this is after they mm -hmm. brought in Messi and all he got them was to two round of 16 exits <coughs> in the Champions League. Um, and this was supposed to be like the final piece of the puzzle, the one that finally got them mm -hmm. um, after failing a couple of years ago against Bayern Munich in the final. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think the next season it's going to be very interesting to see where psg goes from here and and what kind of investment the the group that owns them still wants to put in and and what kind of players they're going to go out and get because there's going to be i think there's going to be a lot of turnover at <laughs> next season uh, there's got to be man there's just there's just got to be um yeah i'd be i'd I'd be shocked if there wasn't, but then again, sometimes I just I don't believe it. So true. Yeah, uh, team yeah. just team. <laughs>
Yes, I just don't believe him. So. Um, <laughs> not hurting my feelings at all, but you know. No, no, I'm, no. I'm laughing at PSG right now. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll that'll do it for our news and notes segment. Uh, let's let's pimp though the athletic. Uh, Wes, what kind of what kind of stories you've been reading in this past week? Let me get my old athletic up here. <clears throat> um, well, obviously, there's multiple stories about Big Sam. <laughs> of course. I mean, why wouldn't there be? Uh, oh, what have we got on here? <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Uh, th- this is an interesting one I found. Manny Navarro, one of my favoritest writers on college football. College football recruiting snapshot commitments battles inside the top 10 states for talent. Um, take it, just taking a look um, you know, where the top talent's coming for out of the 2024 cycle. Top 10 uh, in order from 1 to 10. Texas, Florida, Georgia, California, Auburn, uh, excuse me, uh, California, Alabama, Ohio, North Carolina. Tennessee, Louisiana, and Maryland. Those are your top 10 states for um, for players coming in this cycle. Uh, a really, really good job. Navarro's done a great job since he's moved over to, uh, to the recruiting side. Uh, this one a few days old by a favorite of the show, Andy Staples. Don't sound the alarm on Saban's Alabama dynasty, but maybe it's incredible quarterback streak. <clears throat> okay, a lot of people losing their minds out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh, no. As Ed, sit down for this. Alabama may not have a first-round quarterback on the roster this year. What the hell? Or if they do, he's just he's just not ready to play. Paul, how did they do that? How the NCAA let Nick not have a first-round quarterback? <laughs> I'll hang up and take your answer off the air. I can infuriate Paul. <laughs> God, Feinbaum has been off the hook the last few weeks, by the way. <laughs> that is not surprising. It has been just absolutely incredible. Um yeah, Tyler Buckner uh, transferred from Notre Dame into, into Alabama now. He's competing for the job. Alabama had five scholarship quarterbacks, and I want to say all five of them were top 100 guys out of high school. So you got five top 100 guys, and apparently none of them are good enough to start. Whew. <laughs> to me, that um, that kind of reflects back on the recruiting. But anyway, it's just me. Uh, last but not least, Ed, one more SEC-centric uh, story for me. Seth Emerson did a really nice dive. Grudges, politics, and gentlemen's agreements, the chaotic history of SEC scheduling. <clears throat> Folks, you think anything is the Wild West now? My God, look at college football back in like the 40s and 50s. Just unbelievable shit. I mean, reasons that people wouldn't play each other just like, like, like just, oh, he snubbed me. We're not going to play you for 40 years. What? Um, it literally, Auburn and Alabama did not play for 40 years. They were in the same conference. They just like refused to play each other. 
And it took like an act of the state Congress to get those two back playing. It is ridiculous. The South is both ridiculous and wonderful all at the same time. I can fully admit that. Mm-hmm. And the FCC, Ed, it just means more. It, it's, it may be a new slogan, but it's not a new sentiment. <laughs> it just means more in the South. So I'm definitely checking that one out. Seth Emerson did a really good job of jumping in on it. So there you go. Very college football centric in May. Shoot me. Uh, three months away. Um, my two stories this week. One um, from Daniel T- Taylor. Um, I think doing a good job of kind of summing up the inevitability of Manchester City with this is Manchester City's era. There are only two ways that changes anytime soon. Um, puts a good good story out there on uh, on City's current dynasty and and a lot of the things that we, we've really talked about over the years. Um, the other story uh, from Jason Stark, baseball's new rules Q&A, early MLB metrics, minor league experiments, robot umps in 2024. Um, we'll see. But um, yeah, uh, we, we've already talked about it a little bit on this podcast. But yeah, going into some of the stats, um, the, this article was done about five days ago. So they're going to be a little out of date right now. But at that point, um, I mean, this is this is cra- a crazy stat here. Uh, in 2022, at this stage of the season, uh, there had been 11 games played in under two and a half hours. In 2023, there had been 109. That is that is a near 10x increase. Um, and then for nine inning games, three and a half hours or longer, by this point in 2022, there had been 39 of them. In 2023, there had been one. Um, yep. I, I shit on Rob Manfred you know, about 15 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Now, not all these changes were his idea. He has an entire committee looking into all this. But to, to get this implemented has been nothing but a rousing success. Um, so uh, Jason Stark goes into this, takes a nice little fun mailbag on the first month of the season with all these new rules. Um, and I, I'm just excited to see how they keep just just incrementally making this game better um because yeah this season so far has seemed like an uh pardon the the trope an absolute home run with how they've been able to do it so i'm excited and uh i'm still excited to watch baseball and and the red sox keep walking off so i I have a lot of of dirty water in my life i'm excited (laughs) i'm very excited Uh, they may not be the best team but they're certainly fun Kind of like Tottenham, I guess, in that way. Um, so with uh with that out of the way, Wes, let's hit the watch for what you've been watching in the week that was or the week that will be. Oh man, I have not had a lot of chance to watch much of anything new. Um over the weekend, uh we, we got watching Malcolm in the middle. Okay. Randomly. Um yeah. Uh I, I think I, I pop it in every now and then on the uh, on the Hulu. And the other night, the the wife and I were sitting there, and we were just looking something to watch. And she she had been listening to it. She was painting the hallway over the weekend, and heard me watching it, and was giggling from the hallway. And I was like, "What well, do you want to watch it?" And she's like, "Yeah, we'll watch some." We ended up watching like four episodes, and uh, man. It's it's crazy to go back and think about like just 
how funny some of those guys were. That show's like 20 years old now. Mm -hmm. um, and Frankie Muniz like still looks the exact same, basically. <laughs> uh, and, and it's it's great to think where, you know, uh, like a, a, a secondary character like Hal. Uh, I wonder if Brian Cranston ever did anything important after Malcolm in the Middle. Jeez. Jeez. I mean, to think that Hal became like the biggest drug kingpin in the southwestern United <laughs> States, just just fantastic. Uh, but that's really about all I watched. My kid was here this weekend, and she wanted to watch something that wasn't available, and then we ended up watching like half of Despicable Me Too, and she just got it. I was like, okay, I'm done watching this. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> It's like I, I enjoyed the movie the first seven times we watched it, but you know that's fair. Um, but that, that's really about all I watched this week. So I'm trying to think of like anything I like new I've watched this week, and I can't, I can't think of any. Um, I talked last week about I'm actually from uh from College Humor, their their little game show there, uh, and I've started going on like a. I guess because the YouTube algorithm was like, oh, you oh, you like this? Do you do you want more? Um, so I've, I've like started watching some other college humor skits and that have just been popping up on my feed. So those have been those have been really good. Um, and yeah, so I've been diving a lot into those uh, one because they're, you know, still pretty darn funny. Um, and two, because <laughs> now I'm training the YouTube algorithm to not spoil the new Zelda game coming out next week. So that on the day of release, like it always seems to do, it'll be like, hey, here's a video of the final boss. Did you did you want to see it? The game's been out for three hours. Did you want to see who the final boss was? Did you want did you want to see it? Do you, are, are, are you sure you want to see it? Because you you searched for a Zelda video five years ago. Are, are, are you sure you don't want to see what the new final? New, oh, oh, you didn't. Oh, our bad. Sorry. So, yeah, we have trained the algorithm now to give oh, us nothing well. but college humor videos. So I've, I've, mm -hmm. I've protected myself. I have cocooned myself in, uh, in a chrysalis of college humor videos. Good times. Good times. So, um, but yeah, I actually still have really liked the college humor videos. Um, there's, there's some really good stuff on there and some really funny people. So go check that out um but that is going to do it for this edition of the foreign affair podcast episode 461 is in the books um we will be back next week with our last um episode for a two week stretch there uh one yeah. or two uh actually we're just missing one week we're just missing one week the seven okay uh recording because i will technically i will be back i get back the morning of the 24th which is that next wednesday um, but I'll get back so early that, you know, I'll, I'll be able to, I should be able to do a podcast that day. You um, just let me know. Will do. Um, but we'll definitely be back next week to talk first week of the Champions League semifinals, as well as anything other craziness that it will surely happen in the week of the Premier League season. Uh, thanks to our <laughs> podcast providers, including Spotify powered pod, podcast powered by Spotify. Spotify. It's, it's, we're on Spotify. Uh, also, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also find us on social media as a collective on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. And I am at Edward Green. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube via our parent show, The All New Sports Show, and email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Uh, so, with that, 
we're gonna get on out of here but before we say goodnight Wes anything else you want to mention man on the college baseball front um how quickly things can change I think is something that we don't think about enough um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, East Carolina was cruising. East Carolina was going to be a national seed, a top eight national seed. And now the last I saw, we are like the number two seed in like Durham or some shit. <laughs> um, as East Carolina, by, by all means, how dare they go lose a few ball games? Uh, but also the thing about it is as quickly as it can change down, it can change going back up. Um, I was listening to the 11.7 guys and they were talking about, you know, if, if you could get, you know, out of these guys, you know, what's a regional that you would want. And Ed, they did mention that they would be thoroughly intrigued no. by a Charlottesville regional with the number two team being these Carolina pirates. you Please, please stop coming to Charlottesville. Please. We, yeah, we, we've done that. I, I mean, hey, as pirates, we're like, okay, we've been here, done this before. Uh, didn't didn't turn out so well for poor Ed. Um, but uh, yeah, it would it would be uh, it would be the latest installment of the uh, Foreign Affair podcast, Darby. <laughs> and we would just have to move it to the baseball diamond, and it would. It might leave a hurt feeling or two at the end of it. <laughs> Whoo-wee. Um, so we'll just keep our eye out on what's going on on the college baseball front. Um, it's, uh, it is it is – we are getting down to the nitty-gritty of college baseball season. It is the month of May. Uh, toward the end of the month, we'll have conference tournaments coming up. And then, Ed, the, uh, the big tournament, the big mm-hmm. tournament 2023 edition – that NCAA college baseball tournament, the one I think is, I think you and I both agree, probably the most underrated of all of the, um, mm-hmm. all of the tournaments. I, I love it a thousand times more than the basketball tournament, but you know, I get it. I, I man, I love so it. much fun. I, it is. I love the double elimination pod system throughout. It's it's fun. Yep. Yep, it really is. Um, you know, you can get that that game one shock, and then it's like the home team's like, oh, yeah, now we got to really now we've lost all room for error, and we've really got to buckle down and pray to God we got some pitching left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love the college baseball um, tournament. It is it, it is fantastic. Pretty. Gosh darn awesome. Just like all of you all for coming on here and watching or listening to the Foreign Affair podcast. Um, before my calling crime, West Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us here this week. And until next time, stay safe and enjoy the football. And good night, Premier League. Four matches left. It is uh it, it's it's rapidly coming to an end. But man, they are uh they are giving us a show on the way out. Ab. Absolutely, I cannot wait. It's going to be a good one. Maybe Everton. <laughs> That's great.